The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by ZipRecruiter, and most job boards overwhelm me with tons of the wrong resumes, which is not smart, but ZipRecruiter finds the right people for you and actively invites them to apply, so you get qualified candidates fast. Now that is smart. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Fantasy, you're in the 06010. That would have been awkward. We'll explain it at some other time. Welcome into the Fantasy Focus Football Podcast. My name, Field Yates. His name, Michael. Anthony Clay. Is that your middle Anthony, name? That was a terrible guess. Okay. Not even close. Uh, Michael <laughs> Projections Clay. It, believe, believe, believe it or not, it's Michael Field Clay. No, it's not. It's, <laughs> that's a total lie. Lester. Uh, Lester. Lester. I, I'm actually junior as well. Michael Lester Clay Jr. Your middle name is Lester? Yes. That's amazing. My, my future father-in-law is named Lester. No way. How about that? Great Special underrated affinity. name. Underrated name. Love we, you, we, Lester Duke. Uh, and that's Stefania Bell. I don't know your middle name. Hamstring. Ah. No, that would be yeah. Daniel's middle name. Ah. Uh, Daniel's got hamstring with the little TM up Do in the you corner. see, I had so many people reach out to me on Twitter oh, last night because Stefania tried to make a hamstring joke and they were like, quit stealing Daniel's thunder, all right? That I, is his I gold. I know, and I actually, it, it, I, I was like, well, since when do you own yeah, that Daniel's world of hamstrings? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, no. No, you don't get to. Um, My lane. It begins with an L. Okay. Lester! <laughs> oh my God. That would be amazing. <laughs> amazing. It's Lee. 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 That's my wife's middle name. See? Mm-hmm. All kinds of connections. She's lovely and smart. My middle hey, name is Field. Let's talk about football. No, no, you're no, no. Field, Field. your middle name is Minister, and okay, I know this fine. because... Everybody knows my middle name. My, my <laughs> uncle and my grandpa are ministers. Like, wow! As a profession. We have so Look much, like, every, everything is, like, simpatico here. The 30 for 30 on this podcast is going to be something. <laughs> Riveting <laughs> show start. I know. Can we <laughs> please talk, talk about games? Fantasy news from the National Football League. This is the instant replay. Wait, I did it wrong. Hold on. Game preview. Thank you, Daniel. Smashing stuff here right now. Makes me want some smashed peas. Our star emulates. Our star emulates the referee start to last night's game. Uh, yeah, it wasn't good. Nice <laughs> first, point there first by couple Mike. Minutes. The Texans, by the way, have won five straight games. We're going to dive into De- uh, Deshaun Watson's. Wonderful performance. DeAndre Hopkins, just magician-like catching skills. And also the devastating news to Will Fuller on Monday's show. But for now, we're going to go across the pond, which is where I was going with my Smashed Peas reference. The Jacksonville Jaguars quote, and I use uh, uh, host the Philadelphia Eagles there. Uh, of course, neutral site game, but the Jaguars sacrifice home game. It feels like the Jacksonville Jaguars could host a game in London because yeah, they, you know, true. they're probably they they go the most. Uh, yeah, they well, they do, and I think they have what, an and eight, they have a lot of fans over there. Yeah, they have an eight game arrangement. Obviously, yeah. a lot of speculation that Jacksonville could one day relocate to London. That's neither here nor there right now. But nice. Carson Wentz, Stefania, he's been a little bit banged up this week. We're going to get him into the matchup, but. He was limited ever so slightly early on in the week. Right. You'd like to see him back in full practice on Thursday, but his back is an issue. And we know we have seen some people uh, go out because of back problems and you don't like the fact that they had travel. But at least he was East Coast going to 
Europe. So not quite as far of a distance for air travel for him. And as far as we know, he's going to play. All right, Mike. So he's going to play. But would you bench Carson Wentz against this fantastic Jacksonville secondary? Yes, I would. And in fact, I ranked him 15. So unless you're in a 16-teamer, he should be on benches this week. And you look at the Jags, I think there's this kind of narrative right now that the defense is not the same and they're struggling. And, and certainly they haven't been quite as dominant as last season, primarily as a result of turnovers. But still, they've allowed one weekly finish to a quarterback better than 17th this season. So they have still- three but passing they have- touchdowns <laughs> allowed. They have 180 right. passing yards per game allowed. They are not just good. They are ridiculously dominant in the secondary still. But- one injury to note. Yeah. A.J. Boye is the Yeah. A.J. Yeah. Boye not making the trip. I mean... They've, they're going to be, they're hurting. And we've seen Jalen Ramsey's been bothered a little bit by this ankle for multiple games. AJ yeah. Boye's out. It's, it, I, don't you think that that downgrades them as a whole? I, I do. I, I, Rams, but here's the thing. The way they're set up, I mean, this is a, actually a good week for them to be missing Boye, I think, because you'll put Ramsey on, on Alshon Jeffrey. You'll have Ronnie Harrison a third safety in the slot. And then a major question mark, uh, an undrafted rookie most likely on the other side, but that's Jordan Matthews, who they don't use anyway too often. So if you're going to be missing, boy, this a week, it might as well be this one. By the way, Carson Wentz has not finished a week better than eighth this season as well. He's going on his fifth, you know, sixth game now. So I think there's plenty of reasons here to bench him. All right. So you just mentioned Alshon Jeffrey likely drawing the Jalen Ramsey shadow. You're benching Carson Wentz. You benching Alshon too? Yes. Uh, again, Jags fewest wow. fantasy points to wide receivers. I, at least I would think about it. I've downgraded Jeffrey pretty significantly. Ten yeah. teamers. If you can get him on your bench, yes. I do have a lot of exposure to Jeffrey because he was like so cheap in auctions and drafts and, and late in the offseason. So yeah, good. And he's been good. Yes, he's been, been absolutely good. good. So I do think he draws the Ramsey shadow, and I think Wentz will probably stay away from that as much as he possibly can. So if you can find a way to bench him this week, I would try to do that. All right, moving on to the backfield of Philadelphia, because I agree with your point there, Mike, and I'm going to subsequently remove, not remove, but I'm going to remove Alshon Jeffrey from my top 20, move him maybe closer to a flex play consideration. But uh, for this Eagles backfield, we have a bit of clarity because Darren Sproles is not playing, but... Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood. Is there a delineation point here for you, Mike? Can you decide one over the other? And if so, how much confidence do you have in that player? Well, I'm just going to look at the two games. We have a two-game sample now without Jay Ajayi in the lineup here. And the snap difference here is 75 to 50 in favor of Smallwood. The pass routes, 42 to 25 in favor of Smallwood. Carries 27 to 19. And targets are about even at, uh, actually, Clement is one up five to four. So the usage is pretty clear to me. It's Smallwood is the 1A right now. Clement is the 1B. And you're also seeing Adam, uh, Josh Adams mixed in. He had four carries and eight snaps in this past game. So uh, pretty much a two-headed attack. A little Adams mixed in. But Smallwood is clearly getting more run. I give him the edge as a flex option. Clement, I feel shakier about if you have to fire him up. Yep, feel the same way right there. And it's reflected in our rankings. None of us have Smallwood higher than 30, I'm sorry, 28th. None of us have Clement higher than 35th, reflected in what Mike just said there, but we get a confusing situation in this regard. Carlos Hyde, TJ Yeldon, both likely to play this Sunday. So again, I think the question becomes, how do we have any level of confidence in starting Carlos Hyde, understanding he's been there for one week, not knowing specifically what type of role he's going to play? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a little tricky. Uh, and you're, I kind of have, I've yelled in ahead of Hyde for sure. I've yelled in as kind of a back end RB2 and Hyde more of a, a, a flex option because I do think they brought him in for, you don't trade for a guy just to be a backup, a guy like Carlos Hyde for fifth round pick. He's going to handle that early down load most likely. So I could easily see him getting 15 carries. The problem is the Eagles are pretty good against running backs, ninth best so far. And Hyde's not going to do much as a receiver. You know, he might get two, three targets. CJ right. Yeldon is a 15% target share this season. He'll sustain that role. So that's how I'm kind of 
laying it out definitely concerns about Hyde ceiling. You're kind of counting on a touchdown, right? If you fire him up. Yeah, we're both, we all of us see it the same way here. None of us have TJ Yeldon ranked higher than 20th or lower than 23rd. None of us have Carlos Hyde ranked 20, higher than 27th, lower than 29th. So if you play Carlos Hyde, you're hopeful for kind of what he gave you early on this season in Cleveland, right. which is 15 to 18 carries, 60 to 70 rushing yards, and a touchdown. The Eagles are three and a half, are two and a half point favorites in this game. Um, I'm going with the Eagles. How about you, Michael? I am. They they have to win this game. They, so they do the Jaguars. Yeah, I, that's true. But I think the Eagles are a, a little better right now. I think they get it done, twenty to seventeen, Philly. Stefania, I love it. Wait, I was like, I'm looking at the spread. Uh yeah, I'll take the Eagles. Daniel, how about them Jaguars? Oh, it's so tough because they're getting two and a half. All of you, I kind of want to fade you guys, but. Just only because I'm in the lead for the show. No big deal. I guess I'll no take cares. the I'll take the Eagles. All right, a clean sweep for the Philadelphia Eagles over in London Town. We go to Cincinnati next, uh, where the Bengals host the Buccaneers in what should be a massive high-scoring game. Over under is 54 points. Stefania, we don't quite know though what's going on with Peyton Barber and his availability for Sunday after being limited on Thursday. We don't. He didn't practice on Wednesday, and and uh, ankle issue. Correct? Ankle issue, which. Th- after the performance last week, there was some question, there was some suspicion that maybe Peyton Barber was injured and he, that Dirk Cutter acknowledged that he was, but didn't, wasn't really forthcoming about it till the first injury report came out. And then he wasn't practicing. So people got nervous. He was back a little bit yesterday on Thursday, but there's not really an indication yet as to whether he's in jeopardy of missing this game. So the question is this, Mike, is should you be going out and adding Ronald Jones right now? Even if Peyton Barber does end up playing, does it feel like there is this potential current where Ronald Jones could be the starting running back in Tampa Bay? I think so. That's the plan. That's why you take a guy in the second round. So I think that, overall. Uh, absolutely. So yeah. at some point they want him to be that lead guy. I think if Barber plays though, you use him. I mean, if, if he's out, then Jones is a flex option. And the reason is, I mean, the only game this season where the, the Bucks running backs have fared well, obviously Barber had the big game was in a great matchup. And this is a great matchup. You look at, uh, you look at Cincinnati here, how, how they're struggling against the running back position. Five of the past six running back units they have faced have finished top eight at the position in fantasy points. Uh, and again, Barber has gotten a lot of the volume. If he goes, you start him, Jones, again, in that flex conversation, if Barber's out. We've been advocates of O.J. Howard on this podcast for quite some time, but just remind him how much of a, uh, a tight end funnel the Bengals are, Mike. Mm-hmm. How, I mean, they've been woeful against tight ends recently. Yeah, definitely. Fourth most uh, fantasy points allowed to tight ends. And all this is, cra- this is kind of crazy, actually. All six of the tight end units they face so far have finished top 11 in fantasy points. So they've just been, it's not, it's not like one where you have one week where a team is just blown out by tight ends, like three touchdowns to Gronk right. and Kelsey and then everything else they're fine. It's consistent. They've allowed a top 10 production to that position. So definitely Howard is a guy you should uh, feel safe about starting this week. Andy Dalton was supposed to be the ultimate streaming play last week. He plays the Chiefs, a lot of points. You got to keep up. It's awful. He's been playing okay so far this year. They've got great weapons, at least between Tyler Boyd and AJ Green. Joe Mixon's an effective player, and then he dropped an absolute stinker on you. He was <laughs> terrible last week. Are you any more confident this week in streaming Andy Dalton? Because the matchup we thought last week was good, it's even better this week against an awful Buck secondary. Yeah, and you'll see guys like that set up for a great matchup and just lay an egg. It happens sometimes. Right. I don't think that's reason to be overly uh, concerned here about Dalton. I still think he's a streaming option. Uh, I will say this, though. He is... 
not finished better than eighth this season in a single week. That's his oh. best finish is QB8, and he's finished 18th or worst four of his past five outings. So that's the reason for concern here. Um, I will say this about the Buccaneers. They've allowed the most fantasy points to the position, and five of the six opponents they face have been top 10 in uh, in in quarterback fantasy points. So Dalton, for me, I ranked him top 10. I think he's still a streaming option, but obviously a little risk, more risk than, I, I guess, some other options. For what it's worth, our rankings going into the Thursday night game... Me and Mike at nine. Stefani at 14. All of us have some level of confidence in Andy Dalton. The Bucks have just been unable to cover anybody mm-hmm. this year. Tyler Boyd was supposed to be the play last week. Yeah. The play. I think he'll be the play this week. My, my question was, do they get up? Is it end up being a big Joe Mixon game? Just because they'll be able to do whatever they, whatever they want against Tampa Bay. Yeah. Tampa Bay has been banged up along the defensive line recently. Gerald McCoy, Vinnie Curry did not play last week and, I mean, it didn't necessarily open the floodgates for the Cleveland ground game until the second half, but Nick Chubb was pretty effective. I think, Phil, that because of how, I don't want to say bad, but I think Cincinnati's secondary is average enough that Jameis can throw it on them to keep this a high-scoring game. Tyler Boyd ranks 19, 18, and 21 in each of our respective ranks this week. He's a good player. Mike, I think a lot of the logic you just pointed out towards Andy Dalton and a good player can just be set up for a good spot and lay an egg. That was what happened with Tyler Boyd last week. No question. And uh, just to touch on his matchup this week, he gets MJ Stewart, the second-round rookie, who has been really struggling. I mean, that has been—they lost Vernon Hargraves, who wasn't good in his own right, but they filled in with in kind of desperation with Stewart in the slot, and teams are just going after him. So you have to—you know, Cincinnati is certainly aware of that. They're going to come in and, and most likely try to feature Boyd. I will say this about Boyd. A little over his head in the touchdown department, only three targets inside the 10, but you look at opportunity-adjusted fantasy points, his expected— Ranking at that spot, he's sitting 22nd. So he's seeing enough volume. He's over 20% target share. Not far behind A.J. Green, actually, in targets this season. So they're using him enough that he can continue to get you at least wide receiver three numbers. Bengals are four-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. I've got the Bengals covering. I got some confidence in them this weekend. How about you, Michael? Yeah, I have uh, Cincinnati winning this 27-24. So yeah, you so. have the oh, Bucks so there, to yeah. cover. I have, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have the Bucks covering, right? Yeah. Maybe more specific on this podcast, Mike. I just say the straight up. You do the math. I don't know math. I just say the scores. You (laughs) guys figure out the math. That's right. All right. Um, How about you, Daniel? What do you think? I am going to take the Bengals. Okay. And Stefania. I'll take the Bengals. This feels a little bit perilous. Three out of four of us have the Bengals. You know what happens? You pick the Bengals. You know what happens. The Seahawks against the Lions. A Super Bowl preview if the Seahawks played in the AFC. But they don't. So just... A preview of the It's just dot. a preview. It's just a preview. Yeah. Uh, Seahawks and Lions this game. Uh, we've seen some pretty effective Russell Wilson of late, albeit low volume. But the, so I would say that like we're not quite at the point where Russell Wilson is back on track. Do we think that coming off of his bye week and off of his best game of the season, Mike, like we can just get to the point where Russell Wilson doesn't need to have three touchdowns on 20 passing attempts? To be effective again? I'm not buying here. Okay. Uh, it, you mentioned low volume, also easy schedule, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. It's always a relative term. The schedule's been very light for Wilson. He's not running as nearly as often as he is in, has in past years, so that's a problem. Super run-heavy offense, that's a problem. And, you know, Daniel, appreciate this. The opposition is very tough against quarterbacks. In fact, believe it or not, the Lions have allowed... One weekly finish to a quarterback better than 15th this wow. season. One better than 15th. So I don't think Wilson's the guy to make it to. How about that? And they've completely <laughs> neutralized Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady right. so far this mm-hmm. year. So the three quarterbacks they've beat, arguably the three best in the league right now, Brady, Rodgers, and Brock Osweiler, are the three wins for the 100%. Lions. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive stuff right there. It Daniel. is pretty impressive. 
Um, yeah, Kyle says, arguably, come on. Uh, Chris Carson, should he be locked in against an improved Detroit Rundy, which is full of snacks? See what I did there? I got it. Do we have a laugh track on that, that button so over there? No, do we have a laugh track button? <laughs> nice. No. This is in the fantasy show. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, snacks, Rundy, improved Rundy, but they have been a sieve. So far this season against the run, you got to figure Chris Carson's still a strong play. Yeah, and I'm sure Snacks will play to some extent here, right? He can clog up on unobvious rush, yeah. rushing situations. Just, just put him on the play. field. And just stand there. That's yeah, good enough, right? Exactly. Better than some of the defensive Nothing. tackles they've seen so far this season. Nothing right? too complicated. It doesn't have to learn a route tree or anything. Just, right. just plug right. him in there. Yeah, so um, some concerns with Carson. I mean, I ranked him as a, a decent RB2, but you worry a little bit about a low floor 15.6 carries a game this season, but he only has four total targets his past four games. They've completely phased that out of his game, and you're also seeing Mike Davis mixed in, yeah. and they're trying to find snaps for Rashad Penny, who played a lot uh, last game. Actually, I know he got a lot of that run late in that game, their last game, but he also was mixed in early on, so somewhat of a three-headed attack here. I do worry about Carson having a low floor if he doesn't have that efficiency on the ground, but uh, again, with the state of the position, he's still an RB2. We'll get to the Lions in a second, but we do want to highlight something we brought up on Thursday's show, which is the difficult matchup that Doug Baldwin does not have this week, Mike. Yeah, uh, line six best against receivers this season, but 101 points allowed their past two outings. And a lot of people will think, well, Darius Slay, they have him, they'll put him on Baldwin. That's not going to be the case. Never in his career has he shadowed a full-time slot receiver. That's exactly what Doug Baldwin is. So expect uh, expect Slay to be on Tyler Lockett on the perimeter. That opens the door for Baldwin to face off with Tease Tabor, who's a fill-in, again, in the slot. We talked about that with Tampa Bay. Tease Tabor has struggled so far in his career. He'll try to slow down Baldwin, but I don't have much confidence he could do that. So, Baldwin, start with confidence. Stefania, two straight days, no practice for Theo Riddick, and didn't practice at all last week and did not play last week. Seems like we kind of know what the writing on the wall is here. Yeah, it's certainly not looking good. I mean... You know, the Lions have been known to run somebody out for a limited practice one day and then and then make them active. But Amir Abdullah, who's also on the injury report, is the one getting full practice sessions. So uh, I'd be a little nervous about Theoretic taking the field. Gary on Johnson! <laughs> I'm just creating my own sounders right now, Mike. He has got to be all the way up. Oh, yeah. Love him. Uh, last game, Riddick was out 19 carries, three targets. Uh, you know, and it also, you know, he didn't get a, it's seemingly a ton of receiving work, but they only attempted 22 passes. So he did lead that position with three targets and seven pass routes. So in, in a game with more volume, he could potentially get up to six or seven targets on, on, on top of 15 plus carries. So unquestionably a fringe top 20, 10, top 12, uh, fantasy running back this week. Got, got to play him if you have him. All right. Last one here is. Oh, did you have oh no, no, no. I, I think you're going to get to it right now. I was going to say Marvin yes. Jones and the Detroit Lions. I was just getting antsy receivers. because somebody picked him up yeah. in the league where she needs to win. That's right. This friend I'm asking for. Right. Asking and, for a friend. Uh, very, Lee, her name is Lee. <laughs> very frustrated with what happened last week. So tell me it's not going to be that way again. Yeah, I, I like him. I, I like him. He, you know, he's playing on the on the perimeter. Obviously, that's where Seattle's weak spot is defensively. Again, they haven't been. They haven't been, uh, we'll say, they, they haven't been bad against opposing receivers, but that's mostly been the schedule. Whenever they face good receivers, they've given up at least 18-plus fantasy points to all of them, which is kind of incredible. Um, but as for Jones, yes, three straight weeks. He hasn't had a top 60 fantasy week since week three, but he is tied for the league lead with 11 end zone targets. He caught only three of them, which is weird for him. He's usually pretty decent in that area. And he's been on the field for 94% 
of their pass plays this season. Right, so he's which is why lot, you get excited because line. you yeah. see him. And yeah. then you do not. He has yet to catch more than four passes in a game this season. Don't remind us. Start <laughs> no, Just need that <laughs> touchdown. He's getting the work near the goal line. Okay. Good, good matchup. So I think Mike Clay just promised us that Marvin Jones is going to get a touchdown. Sure, why not? This weekend. Okay. And if he does, Mike will tweet about it. Tweet about it, and you will all retweet Mike. And Lines? if he doesn't, I will not. I will delete everything I said. That's I will right. hack into the ESPN systems <laughs> if, and delete that. If he does not, you will come right back on Monday and listen to this podcast and enjoy the beautiful dulcet tones of the 06010. Mm-hmm. Lions are two and a half point favorites in this game. Not because I love Daniel, he's got a great beard and he's handsome, but I'm taking the Lions because I'm smart. Right. Those things are, they don't, they're not mutually exclusive. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. They're also not influencing me. No. But Mike? I will acknowledge the, you know, Beautiful All beer. those compliments that Field gave you, I'm just going to say, that. ditto. I'll take the Lions. I actually have Detroit twenty six twenty four, but I, I feel like they're going to. I feel like they're going to cover. You're willing to get an extra point, an extra I did. half I'll point. I'll go twenty seven twenty four. Mike's going to wow. punch the screen we, if we that's not right. Yeah. The Mike we Clay broke score. Mike Clay's projections. That is we a did. first here. Okay, wow. it's just part of the part yeah. of the equation. That's I all. am taking the Lions. Yeah, I've never are, seen such what? an emotional you Mike Clay before to just go outside of his projections. I can't believe Daniel took the Lions. That's crazy. Saints go to Minnesota. A rematch of the Minneapolis miracle last year. Let's. I love that this is Sunday night. Oh, what a Great so Sunday football game good we games have. At night. The Saints yep. are so easy most weeks. You're playing Jabriz, you're playing Mike Thomas, you're playing Alvin Kamara, you're probably playing Mark Ingram too. But yep. Traquan Smith's kind of getting interesting, right? It's like there's a second wide receiver spot in New Orleans offense that can do some damage. How much confidence do we have in Traquan Smith in this matchup, Mike? Uh, I, I, he's barely inside my top 50, and yeah. the reason really is the opposing defense. Now, Xavier Rhodes may not play, but that's going to be more impactful for Michael Thomas because uh, he's going to shadow Michael Thomas if he plays in that game. Uh, but here's the thing. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, sometimes we get carried away with saying, well, if you don't include that game, they're pretty good, you know, just like randomly just removing, you know, games from their from their career and saying, well, otherwise they're good. But I think it's safe to say we can remove the Rams game from the Vikings pass defense and say, how have they been aside of that game? Well, they're allowing 24 fantasy points per game to wide receivers aside of that Rams game. That is easily best in the NFL. So they've been terrific. And I don't know if there's enough to go around to get Trey Con Smith a, a big fantasy game. I will say this last game is on the field for 71% of the snaps, a 19% target share. You do like that. But again, in this matchup, not feeling great. He's a player, though, that I feel is the smart stash play. No right doubt. Now. No you doubt. can't necessarily use, well, you could use him this weekend. We are I- not. Guaranteeing him confidence. <laughs> um, but I think if you add Traquan Smith, you're hopeful that in future weeks he becomes a fixture in that offense and good things come to those who catch passes from Drew Brees. Before we get to Kirk Cousins, I think it's important to note that Dalvin Cook, oh gosh, where do we begin, Stefania? Uh, well, ask anyone who drafted him first. I asked Mike Clay. Who was yeah, ask me. I have a season. lot of Dalvin I Cook. tried to tell you. I did try to warn you that I was concerned about him coming off that injury. And just my my concern, I've said, I say this every week. I feel like I harp on it, but I'm going to keep saying it because here we are. And that is that I thought if they used him too much too soon, this was the risk that, that of what could happen. And I think if there's anything for fantasy owners to be happy about now is that at least you have the notion that he's going to stay out through their bye week. He's already ruled out. You're not getting the Sunday scare of like, will he or won't he go? He's, he's already, we know he's not going to play. We know that, that they're likely to keep him out through the bye week. So for a couple of weeks, you can make alternate plans. Latavius Murray is an excellent option in some ways, Mike, but it's a really difficult matchup here. Saints have been pretty darn good against the run. 
Yes, they have. They have not allowed a top 14 fantasy week to a running back unit this season. But so, so they've been uh, terrific in uh, in terms of run defense. Uh, Murray, you look back at, there's been four weeks where Dalvin Cook's been out. His running back finishes starting from the beginning were 40, 40, 7, and 7. So he's been kind of all over the map, but he's been better as of late. He hasn't done much as a pass catcher, which is important certainly in PPR formats, but he's run 94 pass routes during those four games. 13 targets isn't too much, but it's been clearly tops on that team. So again, if this is a closer game and they have to throw the football, which they have not had to do the past couple of weeks, even though they're a pass-heavy offense, you would Again, against against but the Saints, also, you would expect them. Their to. run game was bad for a while. I mean, Minnesota's, yeah. and they yeah. they've done some things to make adjustments because their run game was so bad. So I think part of like just what you talked about with Latavius Murray and where he finished those first, you know, at the start, and then how he finished. Would you say seven? Uh, forty, forty-seven, seven. Yeah, yeah very. So consistent. obviously that some of those changes are benefiting him, and I think mm-hmm. you've seen it. Like he just looks like a, a different guy who's getting more opportunity. So. I think in this offense, they're going to have to mix it up facing New Orleans. So I, I think it could be another good game for him. Yeah, and, and just my point being, even if his rushing efficiency is down, he could potentially play a bigger role as a pass catcher and bail you out in fantasy if you start mm-hmm. him. Oh, so you just talked about how they might have throw a bunch in this game. Makes Kirk Indeed. Cousins an elite play this week. We're Cousins He's- way up in our rankings this week, Mike. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the Saints' pass defense has been kind of boom-bust, right? Either they've been very good or very horrible so far in the, in the beginning of the season. They've allowed, uh, the, actually, the Saints' defense has allowed two-plus touchdowns in every game. Uh, but Cousins has been pretty good. He's QB5 on the season, 15 touchdowns total, three interceptions. He's completed 70% of his passes. And, oh, yeah, the Vikings' offense, three-plus touchdowns, three of their past four games. They're one of the past heaviest in the league. They're running a ton of plays. They're seventh in that category. So, uh, yeah, I think there's really a lot to like about Cousins at home against the Saints. Kyle Rudolph, what has happened to you? He used to be a starter every week. Volume. Volume okay. is king in fantasy football, yes. Yeah. Adam Thielen happened. Yeah. <laughs> and Stephon <laughs> and, Diggs. Yeah. And, I mean, and Stephon Diggs, but I mean, I, I mean, they've just so overwhelmed their, I, I felt like these guys were volume pass catchers mm-hmm. before, but I don't know that they were finding the end zone the way they were. Kyle Rudolph was such a big end zone target, um, in the past. And I, I feel like that, that hasn't been, he hasn't, he's been maybe more in demand for his blocking than for his pass catching and touchdown making. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing Thielen and Diggs both handling career high target shares too. 31% right. for Thielen and I believe it's 25% for Diggs. 31%. Wow. Yeah. Massive. So <laughs> yeah. that's a factor. Um, and by the way, Rudolph as a result, 12% target share. That's right. the lowest of his career. That's a problem. Right. And by the way, uh, Saints fifth best against tight end. So if he can stay away from Rudolph, maybe it's the week to do it. Vikings are a half point favorite in this game. Basically a pick em. The game mm-hmm. is being played in Minneapolis. I'm going to go with the Saints. I'm going Vikings 29-28. Yeah, I'm going to give it to the Vikings. It's at home field. You know, when it's a pick em, I'm going to go with the home team. Daniel? Yeah, I'm going to take the Vikings as well. Field. Okay. Here's a reminder, because if you're not out grilling, someone is out grilling you. That's why you need ballpark buns said. in your lineup. It's like having a number one draft pick at every backyard barbecue. After all, ballpark hot dog and hamburger buns rank as America's favorite buns, delivering fresh taste and outstanding flavor with every bite. Head over to ballparkbuns.com to see the whole roster from ballpark, ballpark's golden hamburger and hot dog buns baked with a touch of honey to the oversized tailgater gourmet hamburger and brat buns that really let you pile on the flavor. Need a home run recipe to spark your grilling genius? Ballparkbuns.com has got you covered there, too, with recipes for zesty blue cheeseburgers, mm, hearty chili cheese dogs, guacamole turkey burgers, and so much more. We've also got a blog full of tips and tricks to level up your grilling game and tailgating talent. 
Get all this goodness and more, including the Ballpark Buns product finder at ballparkbuns.com. That's ballparkbuns.com, home of America's favorite buns. Moving along to the Redskins and the Giants. This game is being played in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Stefania, let's begin with this. Our expectations for Chris Thompson on Sunday are what? I think you're going to see him. Okay. And so Chris Thompson, who's been limited in practice ever since that Monday night game against New Orleans where he took a beating and has been out there, to his credit, has not missed practices, but just hasn't been able to do much. Doing a little bit more this week, uh, even though he's still limited, we've talked about this, limited can mean really limited or only limited a little bit. And uh, I think you're going to see Chris Thompson back this week. That's good news right there from a value standpoint, Mike. Him and Adrian Peterson. I've got Thompson with the edge here. 11 to 16 is where I ranked them. You've got them right next to each other. 14 and 15. You think this could be an Adrian Peterson game flow game? Well, we talked about Snacks Harrison earlier. He's gone from the Giants, so that helps. That definitely helps Peterson. I will say this, though. He hasn't been. Peterson has not been a top 25 fantasy running back since week three, so he hasn't delivered in quite a while. However, when Thompson and Peterson have been on the field together this season— they're both top fifteen fantasy running backs, so you kind of have to pick your pick your uh, which which way you want to go on that. Do you think it's going to be early the early season dynamic or uh, with the Peterson we have seen as of late? But uh, how have I ranked him? I have, I have Thompson as a fringe RB one and 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 uh, Peterson in the RB two conversation. So I think they're they're both viable options, but uh, definitely a lower floor with Peterson. We know that we talked a minute ago about how with Kyle Rudolph his target share has dropped so massively that it makes him hard to play. It's been hard to play from a result standpoint, but using the opposite logic, like Jordan Reed's target share is too good to ignore, Mike. Like that's why you keep trotting him out there. No doubt. Uh, Rudolph, Rudolph, I mentioned, is at 12%. Jordan Reed's at 21%. So he's still getting a lot of usage. In fact, you look back at his career trends, he's usually been a little below 21%. This is one of the, uh, the, the most he's been utilized throughout his career. So that's, that's the good news. The problem is zero end zone targets. So he's not right. really getting the opportunity to score. He hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. And he was tight end five in that week one performance when he scored. He hasn't finished better than 12th since. So you're right. The production hasn't been there, but you do like the usage. It gives you some reason to believe there's potential for a bounce back. And I, I don't know, I, Stefani, maybe you could touch on this, but is he coming into his own? Is it taking him some time to get back to his old self? I mean, we're at midseason now, so, you know. Who, Jordan Reed? Yeah, I mean, we he doesn't look quite as dominant as he was. I don't think he knows years. what to do when he's on the field for eight consecutive weeks. Maybe that maybe that's part he of the problem. He just does it well, a couple games at a time. Uh, not not eight consecutive since they had their bye week already. No, I I think uh, it's so, sort of a slightly different role, and I'm not really t- sure why. I mean, definitely, uh, you know, he's he's a big blocking tight end as well as a big physical pass catcher. But for whatever reason, he and Alex Smith haven't connected. I will say this um, in the preseason. Gordon Reed wasn't participating. And a lot of where Alex Smith was making connections, it was not with Jordan Reed. Uh, yeah. And so, I, you know, Alex Smith is a, um, a very much a creature of habit. Like, And I, that may take a while, and, and they didn't get it going in the preseason. Who knows if that's a factor. It's kind of taking a while for everybody in that Washington offense because oh. no one's really found yeah. their footing. Well, and then the wide receivers have been so hurt. James yeah. Crowder's still out. Paul exactly. Richardson should be back this week. Um but they haven't been able to say that. Josh Johnson, we're finally seeing him, but he's been banged up. I mean, it's hard probably for Alex Smith to even know, like, who am I playing with today? Sterling <laughs> Shepard was great this past Monday night against Atlanta, Mike. He's on the flex play radar. He's been pretty solid in three of his last four starts with at least 75 receiving yards. Yeah, and the Redskins defense, kind of a uh, an example of not overreacting early, right? They were very dominant against receivers out of the gate. That has stopped in a hurry. Three straight Top 10 fantasy weeks allowed to opposing wide receiver units. 
And uh, you look at Sterling Shepard, 19th in OFP. So, again, you, you know, in the offseason, we talked about can this offense support, you know, Ingram and Shepard and Beckham and Barkley and maybe Ingram not so much, but he's been hurt. But Shepard, they absolutely can. He's been getting a lot of opportunity in this offense, 50 targets already this season. So, yeah, he's definitely a flex option, maybe even a wide receiver three play. So you just said maybe not so much with Evan Ingram. Is Evan Ingram, is he part of that tier of tight ends where you can play him but he needs to prove it before he becomes a weekly starter for you? Yeah, he's a little more concerned about his volume, kind of closer to Rudolph than he is Jordan Reed in that regard. Uh, you, last season, we saw him average 7.8 targets per game with all them injuries on that uh, on that Giants offense. This year, down from 7.8 to 5.3, so a big dive. But again, all three game, the three full games he's played, he's been on the field for 80-plus percent of their passing plays. And again, not a lot of tight ends can say that. So there is reason for optimism. Maybe if he steals some targets from uh, Sterling Shepard going forward, or perhaps even Barkley or Beckham, who are, are again, seeing massive, massive usage. All it has to do is come down a little bit, and Ingram can be more of a solid tight end one. And, and again, that last game, first game back from injury, we'll see You know if, if he continues to uh, you know take a step forward as the time goes on. Redskins are a half-point favorite. I've got the Redskins winning this game. Daniel, who do you have? You know, Field, I have the same thing. I also have the Redskins winning this game, but I don't I don't like it. You don't like it. Like you're doing it because you have to, not because you want to. Yeah, mostly just because it's a it's a team that Matthew roots for and so like I don't like picking Matthew's <laughs> team, not because I don't like I think they win this game pretty handily. Okay. But I don't, I don't like giving it to Matthew. Garfania? Uh I'm gonna go with Washington. Uh, I'm going uh Redskins twenty one twenty. I think it'll be closer than Daniel does. And uh, again, that was being really close. But da- Mike believes in Vegas's line half point. Mike says one point. We're gonna take a quick break and come right back after this. All right, and now for our final update from this week's ZipRecruiter's smartest fan of the week. Hello, this is Robert Anthony, the ZipRecruiter Smartest Fan of the Week. And as I stare wistfully out my window, I dream of a scenario where I share a plate of beignets with Matthew Barry at Café du Monde. The aroma of fried dough and powdered sugar took us back to a more simple time where we were footloose and fancy-free and all was right with the world. We'll always have New Orleans, my friend. Now, back to the show. I'm not really sure what that. What was yeah, that accent? Creepy. I don't know, man. But he is. He's. He's got Dramatic. something down. No, yeah, I was like, was at first, I, I was like, are we going European? Like, I thought there was maybe going to be a rep. See, I said it reminded me of Vincent Price. It was a little Vincent. bit of that, but then the, it was like I think he was trying to invoke Morgan Freeman. Yeah, at the a little end bit of that. With the, like the mm-hmm. to another time, and there was a little of the. Yeah, he's I, so good. I think he mixed up a few voices there and kind of gave us this unique. Don't be a Yater, Starfania. I'm, I'm, I'm just, kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm he's just got kidding. that it factor. Wow, we all, we all know it. He's got that it factor. My goodness. Browns go to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. First matchup game of the NFL season. Rematch, I should say, of the NFL season. Baker Mayfield. It seems like a great matchup. We talked about this earlier on this week, and this is nothing more than a gut feeling. But maybe Mike can back it up with some of his tricky stats. Could this maybe possibly be not that easy of a matchup for Baker Mayfield as it seems like? No, I mean, the the worst fantasy week the Steelers have allowed to a quarterback is 18th 
I mean, so, I mean, that's, again, that's close to mid-pack, but that's the worst week. So everyone's been at least average uh, or, or better against the Steelers' this defense. But on the other hand, Mayfield hasn't been better than 15th other than last week. That was the first yeah. time he's been better than 15th. So it's a tough one to balance out. Again, this, uh, unlike uh, the first game, Ty- Tyrod Taylor in that week one matchup had a very good fantasy day. Of course, he had uh, 10 minutes of overtime to add uh, some fantasy production, but you know, I, I think this game, yeah, this game being in Pittsburgh, and we've seen the ups and downs of the Browns' offense. There's definitely some reservations. I think Mayfield no more than a starter in two quarterback leagues. Yeah, we've got him 16, 16, and 17 in our rankings. So uh, there will be people that will start Baker Mayfield, and it's a very good matchup here. But just have a bit of caution this Sunday. If I'm wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, we'll talk about it on Monday. Uh, Nick <laughs> Chubb and Duke Johnson have the backfield job to themselves now with Carlos Hyde in Jacksonville. Hugh Jackson says he's going to get the football more to Duke Johnson. Trust him, he will. <laughs> Which probably means Duke Johnson will be inactive. <laughs> uh, but we saw we saw some really believe. promising signs last week from Nick Chubb, Stefania. He looked like an RB two going forward. Right. I mean, the, the lane's definitely been cleared for him, right? You know, now not the only reason he was being held back was because of the presence of Carlos Hyde. Certainly wasn't Duke Johnson that was holding him back. And I, I bit on the first time that Hugh Jackson said they were going to try and get the ball to Duke Johnson more. And, uh, you know, fool me once, shame was on you. I say that myself. Yeah. Fool me twice, shame on me. We've got Nick Chubb as an RB2 this week. We've got Duke Johnson as a outside of flex territory. Like, he'll be a flex in a deeper league, but... He's got to see more volume. Like Four targets last week. Come on. Yeah, we love yeah. Duke. Lo- love Duke Johnson. I will say this. He only ran two more pass routes than Chubb in that last game, which Eesh. is just ridiculous. It makes no sense. By the way, the Steelers, let me ask you a question. The The best week a running back unit has had in terms of fantasy points against the Steelers is, take a guess, the best week, best finish. Seventh. 20th. That's the oh. best week, 20th. That's how oh. good the Steelers have been slowing opposing running backs. So that could be uh, some reason to stay away from Nick Chubb, certainly in DFS cash games. In, uh, you know, in season long, you know, knock him down a few pegs, but yeah. again, the volume, you still have to like that. Mike, explain your slight reservations with starting Ben Roethlisberger this week. Yeah, I mean, uh, my concern there is, I mean, you look back at week one, again, that game was in Cleveland. They had that whole overtime, and still Big Ben was the 23rd finishing fantasy, quarter, uh, fantasy quarterback against the Browns, who have allowed the eighth fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. Now, he's been QB4 in three home games. He's had that home road split for the last, it feels like almost a decade now. So that does help his cause. And uh, I think he's a fringe QB one. I'm not feeling great about it against this Cleveland defense, but you know, he again, he's been much better at home. We've got more confidence to find and I do, but understood there on Mike's logic for Ben Roethlisberger. The Steelers are eight and a half point favorites. That's a large line for an in division game. I'm going with the Steelers still. How about you, Mike? I'm taking the Browns to cover twenty eight twenty two. So the Steelers, Steelers. will win. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. What do you got there, Stefan? Wow. That's uh. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Browns with you, Daniel. Mike. I actually have the Steelers winning by eight point three, so okay. I'm gonna take Whoa. the Browns. <laughs> That's this way week. off, way off. Daniel, yeah. with Daniel the, knows nothing. The very common eight point three point spread between these two teams. Daniel takes the Browns. I am the one person on a Pittsburgh Steeler island. I'm the Le'Veon Bell of this pickskin pick'em. Jets go to Chicago. Play the Bears. <laughs> I, was, I would ask if there's any, if there's any Jet to play, but I heard them. They're actually healthy, Stefania. There aren't, really. I mean, look, we've lost Bilal Powell for the season. Quincy Newman's got an ankle injury. Robbie Anderson may not play, still not practicing today. I sort of thought if he was out there, then we might think that there's a chance that he could go, but he was not at the start of practice. Um, It's just not looking good for him to go, although he had said earlier in the week, according to Rich Smeany, that he was going to try and play. So 
I think he's very iffy. And Isaiah Crowell obviously is going to play. He's been playing through the issue that he's had all along. So even though he's banged up and on the report, Isaiah Crowell will go. And good news there, Mike, is he's been effective. He's getting the ball a lot. He's going to get it a lot more this weekend. So besides Isaiah Crowell, is there any Jet that you're playing? Jermaine Curse, who went zero for on five targets (laughs) last week. I mean, Chris Herndon, who you got? Yeah, there's a couple fringe guys here, maybe in slightly deeper leagues, certainly 12-teamers if you're looking for a flex option. Trenton Cannon, I have in t- inside my top 40 at running back, had that beautiful play on the on the wheel route, and Sam yeah. Darnold hit him in stride, uh, made a little noise, five targets in that game. So again, PPR option there. And I'm still believing in Jermaine Curse. I'm going to say it was a fluke last week. You animal. He, yeah. he, was, uh, he ran 39 routes out of 45 possible. He was still a featured player in that offense but we've seen this before we've seen it from him where he just disappears for one game and bounces back we saw last season when he finished 26th at the position in fantasy points so i'm still holding tight in leagues where i picked up jermaine curse i think he bounces back this week best quarterback of all time over the past three weeks mitch trubisky Mm -hmm. he has been awesome 34.0 fantasy points per game over the past three weeks can he keep it rolling against this jets defense I think so. I think so. And and the reason is, even if his passing is not lights out by any means, he is killing it as a rusher. Just He's been fantastic. 7.9 yards per carry this season. Only some fella by the name of Cam Newton has more rushing yards, and it's very close. He's just a few yards uh, behind him. So uh, I think he, uh, you know, as long as he keeps running the football, he's going to have that high floor in fantasy that, that we love so much, especially in our ESPN standard scoring where you lose two for an interception and uh, only four points for a passing touchdown. So, yeah, I, I think uh, he keeps it going. He's playing well. That offense is on fire and, again, adds those points with his legs. Stefania, fill in the blank. If you roster Jordan Howard, the decision to play him is <sighs> perplexing, <laughs> frustrating. Yeah. yeah, that's how I feel. Like, yeesh. I mean, we've seen Tariq Cohen star rise and certainly you feel better about him, but Jordan Howard... I, I had a really hard time ranking him this week because I don't think it's like suddenly he, he's not talented. I just think the for his play and what they're doing offensively and as actually as Mitch Trubisky's gotten better and more in rhythm, I feel like Jordan Howard's usefulness to advancing the offense has worn off a little bit. We've all got Tariq Cohen as a borderline RB1 this week and we've all got Jordan Howard as a other, he's, he's a high-end flex play this week. Yeah, past three games, it's been basically an even share of snaps in the backfield. It's 107 to 100 in yeah. favor of Howard. But the big gap is, and again, you still have Howard with 13 more carries than Cohen, but it's 30 to 3 in favor of Cohen in targets. 30 targets his Crazy. past right. three games. So it's definitely Cohen with a, a strong edge here. If you have Howard, you're just kind of praying for a touchdown at this point. It's a lot like Chris Carson we talked about earlier. He's just not getting the targets. He's getting a lot of the carries. He's an effective rusher, but that's really the issue. He's, the, the lack of passing down work is it's just, it's just a killer for your upside in fantasy this day and age. Stefania, do we know whether Allen Robinson will play? He was on the field last week, but did yeah, one virtually catch, nothing. Yeah, four yards. I think, But I think a lot that of that was, was the Stephon Gilmore effect mm-hmm. against New England. Do we think he'll play this week after not practicing Thursday? I may, It makes me wonder if they would run him out there again, given the yeah. fact that he hasn't practiced. Now, last week, he didn't do anything till late in the week. Friday, yeah. We came out as a game-time decision, and they put him in. But judging from, you know, I, I didn't see much. I did see that, uh, you know, he had five targets come his way. There were a couple where, there was one in particular where I saw him kind of go up in the air, and I didn't really feel like he went all the way. You know what I mean? It was just didn't quite look like himself, because mm-hmm. he looked so good when the season started, despite coming off the ACL injury. So if it is really bothering him, you have to wonder if they make a decision not to run him out there again. That hamstring was looking a little 
I'm sorry, that ankle was like a little hamstrung, right? <laughs> that joke would have been his so groin. much better if I did it clean. Ah, it's groin. his groin, and where's, there's a drop that sometimes... Ah, my finger. Uh, Mike has removed him from his attention. ranks for right now. That will obviously be updated if we get information later on today that Allen Robinson is likely to play. He'll be a flex consideration if he does. The Bears need this game because they're 3-3 three and three after a 3-1 and one start. They lost a close game, but a difficult one to New England last week. Games in Chicago, 6.5-point favorites. I got the Bears winning, and yeah, give me the Bears. The I the, Bears! I have the Bears, too, and I, again, I'm right with Vegas on this one. 27-20, Chicago. Stefania? It's funny how you do that. I'm going to take the Bears. Daniel? I am also taking the Bears. Bear down! Clean sweep of the Bear down! The Colts go to Oakland to play the Raiders. Marlon Max, Stefania. People were freaking out yesterday, minutes ago. On my Twitter, I saw Marlon Mack is back at practice. That's a good sign. Yeah, it is. I mean, look, he, he's been, they've been using him. You yeah, know? he's, he's been a awesome. Triple, triple digits in the yardage uh, category. And I think this is what Indianapolis was excited about. Yeah, when I was there at training camp, certainly heard a lot of chatter about him. We saw like a little spark in one preseason game. Then he had the hamstring issue, got pulled out, aggravated it early on. And then we didn't see him. And I think people just wrote him off like, eh, not that exciting. And then you saw it. Last week. And I think they're going to be smart about how they manage him. Obviously, this is one of those things where once you have a guy who's had injury that cost him that much time, if you're going to use him that way on the weekend, you're going to manage what he does during the week. So um, I my understanding is that he is good to go. And I would not be worried about inserting him in my lineup. For What's his reason. value then, Mike? Yeah, I, well, I, I like him as an RB2 right now, a fringe RB2. I'm a little concerned about his passing game volume because if they're throwing the football in obvious situations, you're seeing Naheem Hines still all on the field and involved in that capacity. The Raiders, however, have struggled against running backs four top 12 fantasy weeks allowed to opposing running back units. And again, we talked about those past two games since Max been back, 31 carries, but again, only five targets. And he is 13 snaps ahead of Naheem Hines. You do like that. But again, good matchup. I think the Colts win this, as we'll get to in a second. I think they win this by a decent margin. That should open the door for Mac to be on the field. Uh, Jack Doyle has been practicing this week, too, Stefania. Do we expect him to possibly play? I think this could be the week that you see him. You know, back in limited practice, when he had this hip injury, and it was something that they just could do rehab on, he was, he was not practicing at all for multiple weeks. And so I, like, as we saw Eric Ebron get more work and become sort of the go-to tight end, I think people forgot about Jack Doyle or sort of figured he wouldn't get his spot back. I disagree with that because I still think that he and Andrew Luck have this really solid connection. He's He is a favorite outlet guy for Andrew Luck when he needs him. I don't know that that jumps up right away if he's back in the game. Uh, limited practice this week. Frank Reich acknowledged that he had a shot to play. I think if Jack Doyle has a shot to play, they put him out there. And one thing I'll say about Indy, when they put their players out, they they put them out. So Jack Doyle has been absent for a long time because I don't think they were ever going to put him and be like, eh, you know, you can go a little, but he can't go. That's why they held on so long to Marlon Mack. So I think if Jack Doyle plays, he plays. So What's we got you, a, a, an alert from the Fantasy Life app literally two minutes before we started this game that said Jack Doyle was going through red zone drills and practice today. Oh, yeah. From Zach Kiefer of Indy Star Sports. So I just wanted to throw that out there as a part of the Jack Doyle conversation. Well, shout out yeah. to the Fantasy Life app for always getting their alerts. They are they are super quick to get those alerts out there. But you like seeing red zone drills. I mean, one of the concerns, and I... Again, I saw this when I was out there at training camp. Like Jack Doyle was the target in the red zone. And when I saw Eric Ebron, he'd make an amazing catch in practice. And then he would drop like three. Now, he definitely has. I doubt that. That oh, is not have, at all sound like Eric Ebron. You of all people Ebron. probably doubted him. But I, he has 
like he's looked much better and maybe something about knowing that things were coming his way, knowing what his role is. It was always sort of a tease in Detroit. He has improved, but I think they could, there could be a sneaky play for Jack Doyle touch. I could see like three catches and one of them being in the mm-hmm. end zone. Well, all those point towards the Eric Ebron question, whose value drops this week. He was a top five tight end in a lot of weeks in terms of rankings with Jack Doyle out, but with Jack Doyle back, or likely back, that certainly limits the value of Eric Ebron. But let's get to the Oakland backfield. One of the key stories of the week with Marshawn Lynch on injured reserve, Mike. If you had your pick, would it be Doug Martin or Jalen Richard? And regardless of who you pick, how do you sort of envision this backfield breaking down? Well, I think they're going to try to make Doug Martin Marshawn Lynch. I think they're going <laughs> to try to do that. Stop. I don't Easier think it's going to work out. Yeah. Uh, but that, that, if it pans out and he's at least somewhat competent, that's a lot of volume. 65% of the carries were going to Lynch and 9% of the targets actually a decent number. So they'll attempt that. I'm not confident it's going to work out the rest of the season. I know uh, bold call uh, there. But if it doesn't work out, you're going to see Jalen Richard sustain. Well, either way, you're going to see Jalen Richard sustain a pretty a uh, hefty role in the passing game going forward. And then the deep sleeper, obviously, is DeAndre Washington. If Martin flames out, you'll see Washington maybe uh, handle some of that early down uh, uh, wor- uh, usage in that backfield. I will say this about the Colts defense. Five top 12 fantasy weeks allowed in seven games so far. Two running backs, so they've been exposed a little bit in that area. That could potentially help Martin have some additional value, at least this week. Let's keep an eye on this backfield because... You know, the Raiders are unpredictable. Safe to say that. So uh, we'll find out just what we know about this offense come Sunday uh, afternoon. Last one here is Jordan Nelson and Martavis Bryant. Someone's got to catch passes with no Amari Cooper. We feel like Jordan Nelson is the clear cut Raider starter. Would you start any other Colts pass catcher this weekend, though? I'm sorry, Raiders, uh, Raiders. pass catcher besides Jared Cook? Martavis Bryant, dart throw flex. That's about it. Uh, Nelson, yeah, even with Cooper in there, three top 25s already this season. So he's been uh, decent. Uh, by the way, Colts, you know, I just talked about their run defense struggling a bit. They've been destroyed with injuries in the secondary. They're still kind of mid-pack against receivers. You know, that, that's uh, it could be a little bit of a trap there if you get too caught up in receivers facing the Colts' pass defense. That defense is better than, than it looks. They've just been destroyed by injuries. So I will I will say that. Uh, moving along here to, uh, let's see, pick game pick for this game. Who you got here between the Raiders and the Colts? Colts are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm Colts. going with Colts as well, <laughs> Stefania. Yeah, I am it's not, not even a question. I am not close to Vegas on this one. I have a 29-21 Colts. And Daniel, my good friend Andy Dwyer, who's in a band called Mouse Rat, big Colts. <laughs> wait, fan. wait, say that again. And Mouse Rat, Mouse Rat, Mouse yeah, Mouse Rat. So, Rack joke. I, yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with him and take the Colts this Mouse week. Mouse Rat. Daniel and I were well, talking well, a lot is about there a hyphen Parks there, and Rec. Is it just no, Mouse it's just Rat. Mouse, it's just Mouse Rat. Yeah, Mouse Rat. Mm, That's great band. Greatest band mm-hmm. ever. So uh, moving along here to the Ravens at the Carolina Panthers. This game is being played in Carolina. Do we feel as though the Alex Collins has separated himself from Buck Almec? Have we gotten to that point? <sighs> we have not. Allen has played 15 more snaps than Collins this season. I know Allen's coming off back-to-back rough games, but one of those was we saw a lot of Gus Edwards because they were it was that blowout game over Tennessee. He's still playing the same role. He's on pace for 61 catches this season. Last year he was RB23 with 46 catches, and I know he had more work in, in the rushing game, but he's also on a career-best touchdown pace this season. Uh, you know, Allen's efficiency running the ball is not good this season. Neither is uh, neither is Collins, but that's not really where where Allen makes his hay. He makes it as a pass catcher. And by the way, the Panthers have been seventh toughest against running backs. I think that's more bad news for Collins than it is for Allen, who again, you know, he, they get him out in the open, they throw him the football. So I'm still okay with Allen as a, as a flex option. I would just really like to know every week 
if it's going to pay off that I put him in. It seems to me that I think we were having this conversation with Matthew last week. When I put Allen in the lineup, dud. When I leave him on the bench, oh, sure, double-digit score. That's how it works. Yeah. And I mean, I have not been able to read, um, in all seriousness, it's not like you've been able to read the utilization that well in advance, you know, to really know how it's going to shake out. Yeah, you try so to predict the game script. This week, yeah, so uh, okay. I, I think I'll be okay. Yeah. All right. So you playing? He's not. I'm blaming you. Okay. Right. There Please we go. Do. Please do. I won't be here till I'll be here only Tuesday next week. So. John okay. Brown and Michael Crabtree. They both. They they both have sort of established themselves as at worst flex options in given weeks. Yeah, I think they're both great options. You love the opportunity they're getting, and I'm. Uh, you know, I'm kind of looking at the usage here, or, or I mean the matchups in this game, and this was this was kind of a fun one, right? Because you can kind of, kind of do some dot connecting here. You have Dante Jackson, the rookie who's a speedster and undersized, makes perfect sense to shadow John Brown. Then you have James Bradbury, who's uh, built exactly like Michael Crabtree, obviously slower than Jackson. He'll probably shadow Crabtree in this game. Both of those guys have struggled either way, so I think both Brown and Crabtree are positioned for decent games. By the way, Crabtree... Top 35, four of his past uh, five games. John Brown is wide receiver 16 on the season. Both guys, believe it or not, both of them are top 15 in OFP. So a lot of opportunity for both guys so far this season. All right, Mike. Devin Funches, not a starter this week for you because of this difficult Ravens matchup? Yeah, and, and we've talked about this in the past, but you know you're good at corner when uh, Marlon Humphrey, who was your first-round pick last season, has been outstanding since he entered the league, is out, and you're just like, eh, we'll just throw Jimmy Smith in there. You know, one of the best corners in the NFL is a is a rotational player. So uh, they are loaded at corner for sure. We could potentially have Humphrey back in this one. Funches runs most of his routes on the perimeter, so he'll see Brandon Carr. Humphrey, if he plays, and Jimmy Smith. It's a very, very tough matchup. Uh, Funches does have four top twenty, uh, top 35 fantasy weeks and has been top 16 back-to-back games. So I like him going forward. Do not like this matchup. Uh, last one here in this game is Greg Olson expectations. Devonia, we're past the point of the health stuff. Like, he's playing. He's playing a lot. But he, he was saved by touchdown last week. Right. But he's running routes. Running mm-hmm. routes on 78.2% of Newton's dropbacks over the past two games. It's just, I think it's just getting Greg Olson reacclimated into the offense. And Cam Newton, to be honest, he's taken the matters into his own hands a few times. We've seen we've gotten more rushing out of Cam. Um, you know, there, Christian McCaffrey uh, has, has a role that I think affects Greg Olson a little bit. We didn't really see them on the field together that much last year. So I, I think there's still some sorting out for the Panthers to do. But I think the value will come for Greg Olson. All right, we keep an eye on Greg Olson, part of that clear class of tight ends that, like, you're not absolutely starting them, but you're starting him and you can do so somewhat hopefully. Ravens are one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road I don't buy against it. the Panthers. The Panthers are a good team. Give me the Panthers in this matchup. How about you, Mike? I'm taking the Ravens, 23-21. Very wow. close. Very okay. close on the line. Stefania? Yeah. That's too bad you're wrong. I'm taking the Panthers. What? Daniel! <laughs> wow, it's too bad you're wrong about Mike being wrong. I'm taking the Ravens. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the Rams well, hosting well, the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> and how about this? The largest underdog Aaron Rodgers has ever been as a starter in his career. I'm sure Nine he and a half point favorites as of right now. We are still waiting on Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones and the Packers come off of a bye this week. And yet, if you look at our rankings this week, none of us have them inside of our top 30. The point remains. We are going to be a week too late on Aaron Jones than a week too early. He just has nine touches. I'm sorry, nine touches per game in four games. By the way, shout out to who I, I can't remember the Twitter handle for the fan 
who took the sign right. to college yes. game day last week and had oh, the 0601 out oh. and it said free Aaron Jones and it was perfect because we all knew exactly and with that sign front and center they made it onto the tube. Here's for, what I'm going to uh, do is I'm going to have Stefania give a recap of what's going on with the health of Geronimo Allison oh, and Randall Cobb to. and then Mike will size them up and in well, the meantime I'll find, find that it. that find that picture. Yes, well, Jerron Wallace and Randall Cobb did not play before the Packers headed into the bye. Even though we thought they had a chance before that game, it sounded like that was the wise move, knowing that they were still banged up a little bit. Jerron Wallace originally had a concussion, then had a hamstring injury. That's what caused him to miss that last game. And Randall Cobb had a hamstring injury for several weeks, but had made progress. I think the fact that both of them were making progress before they went into the bye makes you feel better about how they're going to be this week. They're still on the injury report, listed as limited, but again... We know that the Packers do things a little differently with their practice sessions. They like to go through a workout on Saturday. So my guess is that you're going to see them upgraded on Saturday. I wonder if that will change because they're traveling on Friday this week. Will they practice Friday morning, travel Friday afternoon, and not practice Saturday? We'll see. I, I think they'll still practice there. Just practice um, in the yeah, gym Because in I think Angeles philosophically or... they're big believers in getting a workout in mm. the day before they actually play the game. Got it. So we'll see. But I, I would think that would be the way they would go. Mike, value these two wide receivers. Which one do you prefer? I, I prefer Cobb. I have him wide receiver twenty-one. In fact, I you know I've, I've had some pushback on that, and it surprises me. It's I maybe that's a little recency bias because he was outstanding out of the gate. And in fact, if you compare these two guys, Cobb and Allison, back in weeks one to three when they played together, Cobb ran more routes, one hundred and twenty-six to one hundred and seven, and he would easily. I mean, you look at targets in this offense: Devonte Adams twenty-eight. Randall Cobb, 27, and then a big drop-off to Jimmy Graham and Geronimo Allison with 18. So Cobb was right there with Adams in terms of usage in this uh, in this offense. The only thing I'll say is, do they say, you know what, our rookie Marquez Valdez-Scantling, we have to find him some route. We have to get him more involved than we did early in the season. That could take targets away from from Allison and maybe especially Cobb because Valdez-Scantling, of course, Plays is slot, running the yeah. slot. So that's something to keep an eye on. I don't think it's a major concern, but it's enough for me to to bring down his targets here just a little bit. Shout out to Et Randy Isbell. It's that's R-A-N-D-Y-I-S-B-E-L-L-E, who tweeted this six days ago, his free Aaron Jones side, sign, you, sir, are the man. Jared Goff, we had a conversation about him early on in the week. Stefani and I were team Jared Goff. Uh, Matthew was team not so much Aaron Goff. Mike, you are part of our squad. Could be a good week this year, this week for Jared Goff. Did you call him Aaron Goff? I think you did. Whatever, I meant Jared Goff. That you're kind of phasing the Freudian two quarterbacks slip. together. That's yeah. okay. No, I appreciate it. That's a compliment for him. Yeah, I'm it's sure Freudian slip in a good way, yeah. For sure. Uh, QB5 on the season is Jared Goff. Uh, here's the thing that's happened to him the past couple of weeks. That offense has still been rolling. They're scoring a ton of touchdowns, playing at a high level, but... The Todd Gurley show has kind of taken over in the touchdown department. So weeks one to four, they had 11 passing touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns as a team. The past, uh, the past couple of weeks, three touch, three passing touchdowns, seven rushing touchdowns. And you might say, well, they have Gurley. They're running at the goal line. That can continue. It's not going to continue. Even teams that are, that extremely lean towards run, running touchdowns are close to 50 50. And the Rams history suggests they'll be closer to like 60%, 65% passing touchdowns. So I do think as long as that, that Rams offense is scoring, Goff will be fine and give you QB1 numbers. All right. There you go. It's a nine and a half point line this week, but still Ooh, I'm taking the big, Rams. How about, really? Yeah. How about that's you, Stefania? Big spread. I think spread is just so big. And I'm just guessing, just watching Aaron Rodgers over the years that, so, you know, you, you, he you let him know. Is. Yep. With that he is like the biggest underdog in his career and he gets a little angry. So I'm going to take the Packers to cover. It is. Yeah. Go, Daniel. You I'll go first. 
I'll go first. I am, I, again, I hate to go against Rodgers here as well. Same concerns, but I have the Rams easily. 33-21. Easily. I am taking the Green Bay Packers. Daniel is trying to reverse jinx the entire NFC North. Yeah, why do you hate the Lions? I don't hate the Lions. I just call them as I see them. Patriots at Bills right here on ESPN Monday Night Football. Uh, Sorry to Michelle Stefania, missed practice on Thursday. Of course, with a Monday night game, we only get practice reports Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But the writing is... Someone on yeah, the wall. You I, don't expect to see him. On I, the field I'm, on I'm not expecting to see Sony Michelle. I think that um, th- this is something where they were lucky they escaped what they did, but I don't expect to see him out here this week. You got to protect your investment there with him. I will say that um, I feel a little bit better about Rob Gronkowski. He's made some progress during the week. Um, the Patriots, I believe, are having a walkthrough today and a practice tomorrow, given the fact that there's a Monday game. So you may not get much more information. This is one where you, you want to watch the Saturday practice report really carefully because that'll be kind of the final eye test for the coaches and the medical staff to see what they're thinking going into Monday night. We'll get back to the running backs in a second, but I would just say this is that when it's a more questionable, like it's a player who doesn't have as much upside as Gronk, you might be less likely to roll the dice by putting somebody else into your lineup on Sunday. Like, let's say it's a running back and you, the only other option you have on your bench plays at 425 on Sunday and you're still waiting on a Monday night hope. Like, for Gronk, if we get enough encouraging signs, because it's Gronk and your your, your replacement likely is, you know, a, a Steelers tight end or, you know, CJ Uzoma, like, I might be more apt to keep Gronk in my lineup and hope for the best there. But with this running back situation, Mike, it's really confusing as well. Not really confusing, but potentially confusing because it's the Patriots. We all have James White as an RB1 this week. But Kenyon Barner, what do you think there? Yeah, and again, it's tough because it's Monday night. And as you pointed out yesterday, they could sign a running back Monday morning or Monday afternoon and end up activating that player. on Monday, yep. Yeah, so uh, Kenneth Farrell on the practice squad, of course. They could sign a free agent, who knows. But... Um, that's the concern is that they would sign somebody and, and Barner's limited to six to eight touches and burns you. So if you can stay away from the situation, I would definitely recommend doing that. However, if you're stuck and you're looking for some upside, you need a bold move. Barner, you know, he had 10 carries on 17 snaps in this past game. And if the Patriots go into that game with two tailbacks, much, much like they have in, in past weeks where they went with Michelle and James White, then Barner's going to be ticketed for a big role. By the way, James White, 45 snaps in that past game. He had 11 targets. Fine, you can understand that going forward. You could believe that he'll see that. But 11 carries, that was a career high. So I don't know that they're going to want him carrying the football that often. So Barner could push for 15, 20 carries if he's the only other guy here. We've got him at 29, 32, and 30 in our respective mm-hmm. ranks. So something to keep an eye on there. Mike, just remind us just how difficult of a matchup Josh Gordon faces because it could mean more targets and better work for Julian Edelman on Monday night. Yeah, no doubt. Gordon will be shadowed by Tredavious White. And again, a lot of times when we talk about these shadow situations, we say, you know, downgrade these star players, but don't go too far because they'll escape to the slot or they're very talented. They can catch a few balls, maybe score a touchdown that bails them out. But with Gordon, he lines up on the perimeter 92% of the time. Tredavious White doesn't move to the slot. He's not going to be on Edelman. He will be on Gordon most likely on 90, 95% of his routes in this game. And Tom Brady has enough weapons. He can go away from Gordon and not really feature him in this game. So I'm definitely worried about Gordon. That's the one thing about this team. You know, it, it's like if we look at Josh Gordon, we go, oh my gosh, such a talent and really starting to emerge. And you saw just the volume of plays that he's running. And I look at what Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have done year in and year out. And they're just like, 
we don't need to throw that away. We don't mm-hmm. need to take a chance on the mistake. And then they start shifting it. And if the, anybody tries to make an adjustment, they'll be like, oh, yeah, Josh Gordon, one big play, you know. But I, I agree with you. I, I just think that it would make perfect sense for them to be like, put him out there. And then go away from him, run everything off of him. And Gronkowski, probably an example of that this season, right? He only has two end zone targets and one target, one additional target inside the two yard line. And, and, and in fact, that covers all of his usage inside the 10 this season. That's I think wow. a, lot of, a lot of coaches, we would be like, what are they doing? How are they not using Gronk? And whoa, you're Look, right there. You okay there? Losing, fumbled, you fumbled yeah. the, the microphone. Feel that um, little equipment malfunction. A lot of coaches, we like to be critical, right? We'd be very critical of Belichick and McDaniels for not using him near the goal line, but He's just getting over overrun with coverage, and they've just gone other directions. They're not forcing it to him, a lot like Julio Jones in Atlanta as Take well. Take what is there. Stefania, LaShawn McCoy limited on Thursday because of a concussion. He's in the protocol right now. He is in the protocol, and because it's a Monday night game, we only have one practice report to go by so far. Um, they're often not cleared for return to play, and players are until the day before. So we may not get this information. Hopefully we get it on Saturday. But we may not get it Sunday, sometimes even until Monday. I think the thing I would point out is Chris Ivory was also on the injury report because of a hamstring issue. So you start to get a little bit nervous with both these guys um, not at 100% right now. All right. So so maybe Marcus Murphy gets some more run, but just plan accordingly. We'll get some more information going into Saturday on LaShawn McCoy and also Chris Ivory for that matter. 14 and a half point spread is massive. What a <laughs> massive, massive spread. And yet. In Buffalo, too. <laughs> in Buffalo. I'll take the Bills to cover. So will I. I mean, last the last time the Bills got disrespected like this was a trip to Minnesota. And they, right. It was ridiculous to think they would score double-digit points. I have a 28-18 Patriots. Okay. Good defense in Buffalo. What do you have? You have 10 points. Yeah. 10 points. Yep. I don't know. All right. Let me give you a couple stats. So we'll okay. do this. Give me a couple stats. Since 2001, the Bills are 4-30 and 30 against the Patriots. Yeah. They have lost their bad? last three games to the Patriots by 21, 20, and 16, all covering this spread. That leads me to taking the Bills as well, even though numbers tell me otherwise. But I'm taking the Bills uh, Monday Night Football. I mean, it's going to be like a Lions-Jets conversation here. I'm just saying, the Bills are... But so you've got... So Josh Allen is not their the quarterback. No, why I understand that. I know, I and don't understand. You, were, the Bills. You, were, you gave... Oh my gosh, that's what Jay used to do. Give all the got, stats Daniel? and pick I against mean, it. I mean, that's with Josh Allen out, Derek Anderson with two body parts on the injury report, and that's who they have to use. I say the Patriots destroy them. <laughs> All right. I'd say that's bold, I'm but it's sorry, really not that bold you know, of a call. That you got your running backs not that yeah. healthy. You can't, your, you can't get a quarterback. Uh, yeah, no. Broncos at Chiefs. This game is being played at Arrowhead. Ding. Wow. I couldn't. We're all that like malfunctioning. That was so, of large you know, here. Another one. Burst your eardrum with that. I appreciate that. I have bad ears. But thank you. Royce Freeman's defined it because we don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. I know, and I don't think it's looking great for him right now. This was a high ankle sprain uh, situation, and uh, they don't need to force him out there. And so apparently he's has looked pretty good doing some work on the side, but it's not clear yet whether he's going to be available. Okay. If Philip Lindsay is the only running back out of those two to play, Mike, he's got RB1 upside. No question. And I have him, I believe, 11th uh, at that spot. The Chiefs have allowed the second most fantasy points to running backs. And in fact, they've allowed four top six fantasy weeks to opposing running back units. Uh, Philip Lindsay's efficiency has been outstanding. 5.8 
Uh, and you know what? Actually, I'm going to give some a shout out to the Broncos O line because that's the real winner or the real uh, success story, I suppose, in that offense. Because how often have you seen mm-hmm. Lindsey just bolting through wide open gaps? And in fact, he is right at league average in yards after contact. I mean, he's just been running through big holes, and that's helped him. But again, that O line will be there this week for the most part. Uh, you know, I think they had what? Uh, who's out? Leary? Ronald Leary's, Leary's on, on IR. Leary, yep. Leary's on IR, right? So, but otherwise, they're in, in good shape. They've they've run the ball well. That's been an effective running game. So, uh, no question. And by the way, I saw a report this morning they want to throw to him more too. That's even better. That's even better news. Uh, Demarius Thomas, you can make a case for him to be on the bench based off of. Overall usage, but he had those two touchdowns in consecutive games in weeks uh, six and uh, five and six. But good matchup this week, Mike. You really like it here. Yeah, I do like the matchup. I don't like uh, what I've seen from him so far. The target share is a, a career low, uh, at least lowest since early in his career when he's a rookie. But uh, three top. 30 fantasy weeks so far in seven games this season. He's seen seven or fewer targets in five straight games. That's not what we're used to with uh, Demarius Thomas over the past half decade or so. So I'd like to see more there, but I do like the matchup against the Chiefs. They're going to have to throw the football a ton in Arrowhead, playing from behind most likely. And uh, this is a big game for Denver. I mean, if they lose, they're probably going to be sellers at the trade deadline. It could be yeah. Demarius' last game, honestly, with right. with Denver. So, uh, yeah, I, I have some optimism just because of the volume. Here. We always talk about the Chiefs late in the show because they're just so obvious. Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Harrison Butker even. But Sammy Watkins, I guess, like our weekly Sammy Watkins conversation, he's on the flex radar again. This, this Broncos secondary, not what he used to be. I, that, while true, uh, I think that you look at the Broncos defense and you, and you notice that they haven't allowed a single top 10 fantasy week to a, a wide receiver unit. So well, they have kept receivers in check and you're going to buy on Tyree Kill, right? You're not going to go away from him. You know, he'll get his. So where, where does that leave Watkins? Does that yeah. leave enough volume for him? I'm not sure. But, uh, at the same time, Watkins has four top 35 fantasy weeks so far. He has finished twice outside the top 70. So he has disappeared at times. And that's not even including the game he got injured. Obviously, we're not going to, uh, get you know attack him for that one but nonetheless he's been a bit boom bust and the Broncos against receivers have been better than than we probably realized that concerns me a little bit but in this Chiefs offense I don't want to he could score three touchdowns in this Chiefs offense so uh, I'm going to rank him as kind of a flex play I think the Chiefs steamroll the Broncos this weekend 10 and a half point favorites give me the Chiefs I'm taking the Chiefs Man, this is close. I actually, with my score, I have Denver covering here. 32-21. It's close. Okay. Or no, actually, I have you know, it. No, it's 11. That's yeah, 11. Yeah. No, I have it. Yeah, I'm looking, at the, wrong, you're looking at the wrong spread. Math yeah. is hard. It is. Chiefs at Arrowhead. Give me the Chiefs. Final game of the week. The much-anticipated Ballyhooed matchup That's of NFC West powerhouses. Give me a break. Battling for the first overall pick. So 49ers sad. and Cardinals. Nick Bosa watch here is on full effect. like this. Uh, let's get to the 49ers because it's not much going on there, Stefania, but Matt Breida's health. That's interesting there. What do we know about his availability on Sunday? We don't know yet. It's really strange to me because I thought for sure after he aggravated that ankle injury so quickly in last week's game, Matt, Kyle, I started to say Matt Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan had been hesitant to put Breida out there given the fact that his ankle had bothered him and obviously he was coming off that and they know where they stand and they certainly didn't want to risk compromising him and his health for an extended uh, period this season when they're sitting where they're sitting. And the 49ers have certainly had injury issues all over the map. So they, they definitely, it wasn't like they couldn't use him, but they didn't really want to take unnecessary chances. And yet he showed that he was doing really well by the end of the week. So they put him in and, and ultimately, um, he did not last. And I think that 
my gut makes me feel like why wouldn't they sit him this week? But in talking with Nick Wagner, who's out there at practice every day, he's moving around really well. And even when he's doing side work on the field, he looks really good. And this is a guy who pushes to play. I don't think we're going to know anything until they practice today. Obviously, if he doesn't practice again today, it's not looking like he'll go. But um it's still, it's it's not clear. And I but for me, it would be hard to trust him seeing how quickly he got forced out of last week's game. Mike, how much trust do you have in any 49ers running back? I want uh, a piece of the backfield. It depends who it's going to be. Obviously, Breida plays. I'm going to use him. If he's out, I'm looking at Moster ahead of Alfred Morris. Agreed, both, yeah. as, both as fringe flex options. And here's the reason. The Cardinals have been atrocious against running backs this season. In fact, all seven opposing running back units they have faced have been top 11 in combined fantasy points. Wow. That's the worst case scenario has been 11. So, uh, and Mostert's been running the ball well. He's been effective. Uh, so, you know, again, if, if, uh, Breed is out, Moster, I'm going to try to find a spot. And this for my is what I think. If the 49ers were to suddenly find themselves up big, and it's not like, uh, you know, their defense has been stellar, but in this situation, if they could get on the board and get it up big, I think you'd see a lot more Alfred Morris late in the game. Mm-hmm. That's how it would play out. But the tandem of Breed and Moster is part of what made them so successful together. And that sort of tips the scale towards if Breed could go sort of opens up the option to rotate them in one one after the other. Uh, Byron Leftwich is now the offensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of people are asking, what does it mean for the value of these players? He said things, including this week, that like, you know, he sat <laughs> ear to ear with Bruce Arians for a long time. They, I think he said they nodded off to sleep in, you know, you know, film room many <laughs> times together. They've worked closely for a long time. He was a pupil of Bruce Arians. He also managed to say, listen, it's one week. You can't wholesale the offense and just change everything up that you've been working on for not just the past seven weeks, but really the past seven or eight months. So I don't know that we're going to see a massive shift this week. It may come eventually. My point is this, is that the best way for us to tell you how it's going to change is to watch a game first. And I'm not trying to take us off the hook here. I'm just saying that like, I don't know that anybody can confidently tell you how the offense is going to change because the Cardinals certainly aren't going to tell you and tip their hand. We are hopeful, <laughs> hopeful that things go upwards for David Johnson and Larry Fisher. No he, question. Go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, but I just, he did say specifically about getting Larry Fitzgerald more involved, even though we're talking about them not changing. I mean, he's frustrated. I think his comment was he's not dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, yeah. Here's how I'm attacking it. Johnson has already been giving you fringe RB1 numbers. Right. So he still stays there. Fitzgerald, at least get him on your bench. Don't start him yet. Still a little nervous about his production. Christian Kirk should at least be on benches. He's been playing well and seeing a lot of usage. Ricky Seals-Jones, tight end two for now. T- two tight end leagues, fine. You could start him. Otherwise, I would stay away. I think that's all we're really worried about right now. And or, or, uh, Involving ourselves with in that Cardinals offense. All right, the Cardinals are half point favorites. I got the 49ers winning because Defying is the best. <laughs> How about I, you, that's I, my reasoning I, too. Yeah. yeah, look, the 49ers, they've had some lows this year, but they need to pick me up. Yeah. I want the 49ers to win. 23 29. I want them to okay. win. I'm going to pick them to win. How about you, Daniel? I am going to take the Cardinals, and I just want to say that if Stefania gets every single game right this week, and I get only four of them right this week, then she will be tied with me oh, for first place. Wow. So you're just going to throw in the towel well, I was just on saying this one you game? Just, if you just run the table, it'll be fine. Me? Just like win all so of them. You don't really believe the Cardinals are going to win. You're throwing that one to me. I'm just letting you know. Great mm-hmm. stuff as always on the show. We are back on Monday. But before we get there, Kyle has a note. No, we just ran a Twitter poll as to how many people would have gotten <laughs> Lester as Mike Clay's middle name. We gave the choices 1 to 50. 51 to 100, 101 to a million, or we would never guess it. And half 
of everybody that voted said they would have never gotten Lester as Mike Clay's middle name. Well, there you have it. The elusive Mike Lester Clay. We're back on Monday. Matthew will be joining us. He's in Disney World. Uh, but Mike, a huge thanks to you for joining us three times this week on the podcast, Mike Clay NFL on Twitter and Instagram. She is Stefania B87 on Instagram and Stefania underscore ESPN on Twitter. You can see her on NFL Live today. 1.30 p.m. Ooh. Eastern Time on Mid-time. ESPN, yeah. and her Thanks. injury blog comes out tomorrow. It is critical. It is the information you need to know. It'll be available both on the app and on ESPN.com. Fantasy Football Now is Sunday morning, 10 to 1, ESPN yes, 2, all the latest. Great stuff from Mike. Great stuff from Stefania, Molly Carroll, Tim, Matthew, and I just show up as well. Mm-hmm. I'm Field Yates. Back to you on Monday. Talk to you then. You're in the 06010 Never gonna hustle In case you didn't know Matthew Berry TMR You 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 guys go ahead give me grief for being on Sports Center for 45 seconds I think you could do better than me because I don't think you could Jail you're, you're, you're terrible at hashtag improv. At, 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 at field gates. At field gates. Stefania Bell. Oh, don't let Barry convert you. Secret Squirrel Daniel Dodd. Make, 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 make it happen. Mediocre fantasy advice. You're older than people realize. That never stops. Loyal 06010 <laughs> GEICO has the insurance industry-leading app that lets you manage your policy anytime, anywhere. Which means that GEICO is always there for you. If only everyone was always there for you. Like animal control, when you're cornered in your garage by an angry possum. Hi, me again. Uh, you guys said you would be here about an hour ago, and um, I think the possum is starting to get angry. I, uh, listen, I thought if I fed it, it would go away, but now it is ripping holes in the drywall and making some sort of nest. Just call me back. <laughs> GEICO, always there for you with savings and the industry-leading mobile app.